We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. And we're back. What is up, peeps? What is up, Zan? How you doing today, my man? Yo, yeah, life is good, Jake. How about you? Oh, uh, you know what? Compared to last week, we're doing a lot better. You know? Oh well, yeah, I can actually hear you. You don't sound like you're half dead. That's Heck always yes. a plus. I'm always happy to hear that. If you guys did catch the last esports rewind podcast, or if you're new, welcome back to the esports rewind podcast. Uh, you know, six topics every single week, same day, same time. We talk about the latest and craziest in esports and gaming news. Last week I was sick. This week I'm I'm kind of sick, but definitely have my voice back, and it, it's good to be back as well. Any announcements before we roll into this one, Zan? Uh, nothing too major, as always. If you have anything you'd like to share, we love hearing from you guys on Twitter at uh, talk underscore esports. we got an Instagram account popping right now. It's esports underscore talk, you know, a little bit of a switcheroo going on there. And I can only say that we've got big things coming yes. in the next, next few weeks, huge yes. things. We, yeah. uh, we cannot stress enough to you guys. We yeah. can't say a single thing. But for all of you watching, these next mm. couple of months are going to be absolutely wild. Please stay tuned. Shall we roll? Yeah, let's do it. Let's roll. All right, Zan. So my first topic, of course, was a video here on the channel, but I love okay. just kicking things off of your chest. That I don't know where I'm going with yeah, this Yeah, classic one. phrase. <laughs> it's like your, uh, what was it, a bag of worms phrase that came back like many podcast. Don't Google bag of worms. Was that me? I think that was you. <laughs> no, no, no. That was definitely you because the, the word, is, the, the term is, ca- is can of worms, mm-hmm. and you were like bag of worms, and uh-huh. then it's great. Don't. Don't do that. Anyway, we're going to talk about Fortnite very quick. And right, we've by talked, all means, by all we've, means. We've talked a lot about Fortnite pros on this channel. 
whether mm-hmm. it be some immature things out there, some crazy things out there. A lot that's come to the scene for Fortnite's been great. Um, now kind of a topic I've been talking about uh, recently brought to Bala. Shouts to Bala, by the way, a caster, a great talent, as well as a, a great knowledge base in the Fortnite scene. He was talking about Fortnite pros potentially being lazy. Okay. And so when I first say that to you, what do you think? Obviously, Fortnite known for their up and coming. I would say younger pros compared to other scenes. If you're asked the question, "Are Fortnite pros lazy?" What do you, what do you answer? Unfortunately, it's nothing good because I can immediately think like ah, a couple angles where I could see where they <coughs> might be coming from. Thinking more in terms of the more grassroots esports, where Fortnite has been helped along like quite a bit by Epic Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe or is he referring to like entitlement, like players saying like ah, I need this, I need that. I don't. I think in a general sense, he's more. Mm. More. I think what I got from him, he's not trying to approach the general Fortnite mm. pro uh, base. He's actually trying to approach those who are who are signed or have the financial ability to actually go to LAN events. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of pros have turned down or actually stopped competing at LAN, um, and that's where he's trying to go at. You know, if you want to be great, if you want to be one of the best Fortnite pro players, you have to actually go to LAN. You have to compete at on LAN. Do we so, know why players are deciding to avoid LAN? Do they just not feel like being bothered? with hopping on a flight or something? You know, my angle was I don't think Fortnite pros are necessarily uh, lazy. I think to your point as well, they've been very much not sheltered, but really they've been helped so much that the grassroots esports that were a few years, you know, five to ten years ago are no no longer what they are in Fortnite. Epic Mm -hmm. Games has supplied so many means of income for these pro players. They don't have to compete at LAN. So that was Mm -hmm. my angle Mm -hmm. on it. I don't think necessarily Fortnite pros are lazy, but the scene they grow up in kind of inherently makes you more complacent because you don't need to go to right LAN. yeah so i mean i'm sure they'll be feeling the negative effects of that sooner rather than later as like land even it's a completely different environment than playing online yeah just in your room so i think there's definitely value there even if you don't technically need the money i'd say for the experience alone it's beneficial yeah and i would agree but but again to, to the fortnite pros point mm. it makes a lot of sense right you're 13, 14, 15 years old, your parents maybe don't want you traveling. Mm. And even even then, we've actually heard pro experiences for Fortnite lands where the experience is terrible. All mm. of a sudden, you flew to Poland or you flew to Europe to compete. The event kind of sucked. It wasn't worth it. You don't mm. come home with much. You lose out on five to six days of content, streaming, YouTube, mm. whatever it might be. And so for me, I think it's definitely a double-edged sword of, you know, as long as pro players are, if they're not competing in land, as long as they're doing other things. But I don't know. It's going to be a really weird time, especially when Fortnite does reach the point where, you know, these Fortnite pros realize, okay, I'm not a Fortnite pro anymore because I, I, I'm not competing. I'm right. just making content. You yeah, know? I'm just a YouTuber at this point or and, a streamer. And how long like, can yeah. you survive being a YouTuber when you realize Fortnite's uh-huh. not the end-all, be-all, albeit it will be for some time still, but it certainly yeah. won't be the end-all, be-all 10 years from now, maybe. Mm. And so, I don't know. I think it's a weird debate, a great debate as well, especially compared to other esports out there. It's just va- it's so vastly different to see these up-and-coming Fortnite people mm-hmm. having so many ways to make money. And then you compare it to Call of Duty amateurs or, God, the FGC. Anybody in the FGC. <laughs> uh, you can't you like, can't make money without going to everything. So Yeah. It's like, it's and honestly, for the FGC in particular, you can't compete if you don't go to LAN. You can't just be an online warrior and show up to an event. And like it's it's a completely different environment. Yeah. It's not even yeah. So I wouldn't say lazy, I would just say sign of the times. It's mm. and I don't know if we're gonna have any other esports that do it like Epic Games. Probably not. I don't think we can. It's at so this weird. Point. I think yeah. Fortnite's in on its own yeah. when it comes to not necessarily being lazy, but you don't have to go to land to be a pro and to be successful. And we'll see if that lasts into the future.
All right, Jake, I've talked about Stadia quite a bit on this podcast. Oh, no. Is it making and, a return? Oh, no, no, not quite yet. I okay. could give a Stadia update, but I feel like people wouldn't want to hear it. So, you know, brief update is doing well. I'm happy with it still. Anyway, moving on. I'm glad on. you are. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't spread the love a little bit. Talk about another gaming streaming service that more people will have access to, actually. Another you know, one? Yeah, yeah. There's several. We've at talked this point. about a few. We've yeah. talked about actually. We've talked about a lot. You've talked about streaming platforms, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Man, 100%. we've talked about probably between you and me. Even yeah. on, this, on this podcast, we've talked about Facebook, Mixer, YouTube, Twitch. Oh, not 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 uh, not streaming in that sense. Like streaming actually streaming service. streaming the game to you. Okay, so yeah, we've still yeah. talked about a few of those. Yeah, yeah. I've talked about a couple. Yeah, but anyway, this this new one just launched this week, and it is the it has potentially the lowest barrier of entry of all of them. At being it's actually free right out of the gate. So if you're listening right ho- right at home right now, you could go try this right after we, we finish talking and about for it. For any sounds interesting. we've talked about ones developed by both Google and Amazon, correct? Uh, Google, Xbox, uh, Sony, and I believe that's it currently. Amazon doesn't have one off the ground and yet. And these I think will be competitors been. to Stadia? Yes and no, okay. and I'll, I'll kind of get into why in a second. So this one's free. This one's free, uh, initially, anyway. Of course, there's a paid tier, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. So this is actually from NVIDIA. This is their, yeah, NVIDIA makers of the, you know, for a very long time, the best graphics cards for gaming in the world. Yeah. I've heard they're, like, kind of shaky right now, but they still are at the top yep. of the uh, pyramid, by all means. And so they've been testing this uh, this service for years now, actually. It's called NVIDIA GeForce Go, or now. Now. It's called NVIDIA Either GeForce one. Now. And ne- it's a yeah, weird yeah. name. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, Basically, it ties into your existing game libraries. So say you're on the go, right? And you don't necessarily have Fortnite downloaded on your phone. You could log into NVIDIA GeForce Now and just play it. Through, through your device? Through your phone, yeah. Okay. As, as, as like you can play it on your uh, currently supported our PC, Mac, Android phones, Android TVs, as well as in, NVIDIA Shield. And you can play any game you own across Steam, Uplay, Epic Game Store, and potentially more. They have over 400 games already available right now. And this is already out now, too? Already out, yeah. This is very, uh, so we're going to be in a weird time in a couple of years, yeah, man. I swear to God, everyone's going to be gaming no matter where they are. Yeah, nobody's going to have consoles anymore. Well, data that's plans not won't happen. be a thing. You'll have to have unlimited data for this kind of thing. My oh, yeah, God, absolutely. you can imagine. They're all data hogs. Like I think the statistics on this one was like 10 gigabytes an hour, something Holy like that. Holy nuts. Yeah, yeah. That literally is my, my family's old monthly plan. My dad... Uh-huh. But that shouts to Mike. We finally, after like having phones for the last eight years, we finally went unlimited. Ooh, but there are still plenty congrats, of families congrats, out there yeah. where they have 10, 12, 14 gigs. Mm. This is 10 gigs an hour. An, an hour. hour. Can yeah. you imagine, little Jimmy? <laughs> no data plan yeah, actually doesn't, does doesn't, this. I, I can't imagine how many kids don't know <laughs> what data plans are and don't know how much data this uses. Who's just like, oh, I'm just going to play for an hour. And the funny thing let is. Let me tell you. Ooh. Yeah. And I think. <laughs> NVIDIA might realize this because they're doing something very different than all the other streaming platforms and that they're limiting the amount of time you can play. So if you're, if you're on the free plan, you can only play for an hour at a time. Like, what, what's the, ga- the gap in between? What is this, some Chinese restriction? <laughs> Weirdly enough, yeah. Uh, I couldn't get an, like a hard number on like how long after that initial hour you it get, takes get before. Back on? Yeah, yeah. Apparently it's some kind of queue system. And if you pay for the paid version, you get like a little bit of an extended period of time of yeah. access and you get higher in the queue. But I also couldn't figure out what, how long that exper- extended period of time was. Yeah. So, you know, but it is early days. It literally just came out this week. 
So we'll be hearing more information about it soon. But it is very interesting, though, to think, like, if you have a lot of games in your Steam library right now, there's a good chance you could just, you could be in the living room, chilling on your phone, and be like, oh, you know, I just want to load up Half-Life real quick. Yeah. Play that on the couch, you know? It's interesting. That's really super, to any device you got on you. Yeah, basically, aside, aside from uh, Apple devices. And NVIDIA, yeah, yeah, who cares? NVIDIA has said, like, yeah, that's, that's on Apple. Like, you got to ask them what's up with that. That's not us. That's, uh, it's going to... It's going to be a weird, weird time. It's like now, now you're downstairs, you got your laptop, you don't mm. want to walk up to your PC or your phone's at your desk, and you're just like, oh, I'm going to get do it on my laptop instead. Yeah, definitely. Or you like you don't have to buy like a super expensive gaming rig anymore. You can just grab like, you know, cheap, like a couple hundred bucks, like work machine and be playing games at high end specs with services like this. Yeah. Like I know I'll definitely be playing a uh, cyberpunk, my machine. No way in heck can I run that. Is it, it's a pretty big game. I've never played cyberpunk. Oh, so. it's not out yet. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's looking pretty graphically intensive and I know for sure there's, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no worries. It's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's no way I could ever run that. But yeah, I'll be playing that probably on Stadia, realistically speaking. I think the it's yeah. it's interesting now though. What's going to be the one that dominates all the others? I think it'll be a kind of balanced playing field in the sense that they're all doing something kind of different. Like this one is giving you access to your broad library of already existing games, right? Xbox in their service is giving you an access to a broad library of games that you may have never played or never touched for like a reasonable price. Mm -hmm. And Stadia is making games specifically built around like the power of those data servers. So you a Stadia game that's utilizing those capabilities, you won't be able to play anywhere else just because they won't have the power to do so. So I think they're all serving kind of different niches. So we might see all of them survive and just be kind of equivalent in a way. Maybe. Yeah. We might. You know, we. Mm. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's hard to say. It's early days still. The technology is still very new. So. Yeah, we'll see yeah. what happens over the next few months and especially over the past couple of years of playing any game anywhere mm. on any device. That's seemingly the future of gaming. Probably the future of esports. We can only hope. And before our next topic, a quick shout out to this week's sponsor. If you've ever seen an untucked button down, you know they look bad, but that's because they weren't designed to be worn that way. Thankfully, Untuck It is the original button down shirt designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or your shape, an Untuck It shirt will always fall at the perfect length to look fantastic untucked. Guys in our office wear Untuck It and they just don't feel great, they feel amazing. They are more comfortable and less hassle free, of course, than a traditional tuck down button down. They also have tons of different styles to choose from, so there is always a button down that fits your work or your lifestyle. So whether you are looking for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's UntuckIt.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. And now, guys, it's time for our BetOnline.ag Bowl Prediction of the Week. BetOnline.ag is your online sportsbook expert. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for a 50% welcome bonus. And this week's Bowl Prediction is actually brought to us by Hector Rodriguez. And that's actually a clip we pulled from this past week where Hector Rodriguez had actually told, it kind of referenced to both uh, either esports houses or facilities, saying they will not work for the future. This, I believe, also kind of uh, indirectly aimed at a guy like Hastro, but we know many of esports orgs and that actually have these facilities or these homes, which do kind of serve the same purpose of a, a consolidated space for all of these players to go to. Um, so with this being his bold prediction, uh, you know, what do you guys, what do you think at least when it comes to the future of facilities and esports homes? I think Hex definitely has a point in saying you don't want to be around the same people literally 24-7. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, everybody needs their own personal space, their own area to just go and decompress. So I think he definitely has a point in saying that it's time for facilities and team houses to not be the only option. 
And I would agree. I think he comes from a weird place. I wish he would elaborated more on whether it was a, a home or a facility, even though they do kind of serve purposes. To your point, they're vastly different, right? Mm-hmm. One is where you go in a set period of, of time during the day. The other is you can't really escape your teammates. As gamers, you're not often leaving your house. I, I would say a third point as well, why it's weird Hector brings it up, is because he himself has had the hex quarters um, down there in Texas, as it would acts as a facility for his team and other teams to come and practice. So uh, I'm not sure if he was leaning more towards the whole home and house aspect which we do see a lot more rarely i think i think the vibe i got he was leaning more towards the house aspect i think he referenced like his old the old optic house yeah and how that was great at the time but uh, wouldn't be yep. a thing like you know it's almost kind of himself beefing himself up saying yeah, you know yeah. it worked for us uh-huh. because this is back in the day when we as optic the old optic yeah, made yeah. it work uh-huh. nowadays no one can do it like we did <laughs> so the bull prediction of this week again brought to us by betonline.ag comes from hector rodriguez he leans towards more esports houses but also facilities not being the future and not working what do you guys think and remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word for your 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag and now let's hit that next topic all right, Zay, I'm going to quickly talk about, uh, I think, an impending issue that's going to continue throughout esports. This past week, we covered one story in the CIS scene for all mm. of you guys who um, follow CSGO. Kind of like the, the Russian, part of the Russian scene, I should say, but a lot of you guys probably know the CIS region in general um, embraces quite a bit of the esports scene, but also the Asian scene as well has difficulties when it comes to match fixing. We touched mm. on a story with a CSGO team who has now moved one of their players to the inactive roster, that being a guy known as Ramzik Boss. I know it's a it's a freaking sick name, by the way. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, you wonder where these names come from. Uh, boss is spelled with two dollar signs, which is ironic in the oh, fact. Oh, of course. Of course it is. He's now Can you spell it any other way? <laughs> I write. Uh, he's now been accused multiple times of match fixing, and within a few weeks, he's been benched and on the inactive roster, I assume, under some investigation, or the team just is, I don't it's confusing. Mm. Now, this was all too reminiscent because you, just from the CSGO scene, I'm sure you guys watching also or listening know more about other match-fixing scandals. CSGO is kind of notorious when it comes to match-fixing, but I'm sure other esports have similar issues. Of You have these young, like we talked about the Fortnite stories, you have these young, impressionable kids, oftentimes in you know, these... I don't want to say it in an offensive way. You, you come up in the Asian scene or the CIS scene, and um, I would say they're more notorious for these kind of scandals mm-hmm. where you have almost mob-like mentalities approaching these teams and forcing them to do things which they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we touched on a story, I think it was now probably a few years back, it was actually Captain Mo, formerly of Tai Lu, from the Asian scene, and he talked about on a huge Reddit post about his team being approached by the equivalent of what he called the Chinese Mafia, mm. and pretty much saying, hey, like you're going to throw these games, and evidently they tried to resist as much as possible and, and did, but they, they were very fearful for their lives. Right. And so as we have younger and younger pros come up in those scenes as well as, you know, NA, EU, whatever it might be, um, I think match fixing is going to be a danger. Yeah, I agree. I, I I think on both sides, both in terms of being threatened by third parties to, especially as we see more gambling become more like you know yeah. more of a thing for yeah. esports, more of those people are going to see the dollar signs and be like, oh, we can we can take a little bit of that. Um, unfortunately, I feel like there's very little that can be done to stop that because by its very nature, esports is very open in a sense. So it would be hard to say oh, we're going to keep the teams competing a secret so nobody can interfere potentially, or, hey, we're not going to show who the players are so nobody can influence them or whatever, right? Yeah. And I think, I don't know, taking drastic measures such as being like, oh, the players are locked up in this compound for a week before an event 
to keep them away from any outside influence. That's too much, too. So, yeah, I don't know what you would even do to prevent that. Yeah, I think you make a great point with the more money that comes into it. And Mm. we've seen this traditional sports as well. There's probably many cases we don't even know about. But Mm. even if sports with very open figures have these issues, think about how anonymity works in the esports scene. How many people from behind their computers or from that you'll never know or actually see, especially with all these online events, Mm. can pressure teams simply via so many services say, hey, throw this match, do this. We'll, we'll touch more in the future. I think we're going to have an upcoming story here as well about an entire event, which mm. was supposedly orchestrated just for match fixing. I mean, these guys can can do things that we didn't really think that were even feasible mm-hmm. at first. You, you can orchestrate an entire event, just invite a couple of teams, you know, mix a few results here and there and place your bets across so many websites. There's so many forms of anonymous, anonymously doing this kind of thing. Right. It, it certainly will be an issue. And I, I know there will be, you know, we have the most notorious one in history. I would say I buy power. They were caught. But for everyone that gets caught, you got to wonder how many are not getting caught. Probably dozens at this point, realistically speaking. Yeah. I think it's a it's a weird moment because again, like you said, more and more money are, is entering the scene, and mm-hmm. that can be good and bad because at least to a certain extent, a lot of pros will be making more money. Thus, mm-hmm. there should be less incentive to want to throw matches and fix. Right. But to the other point of things, with more money comes bigger bets and more gambling, and, yeah. and the bigger more fish getting involved. Yep. And, and all of a sudden, you see, yeah. uh, you see maybe this is a you know this is obviously way way down the line, but you see a, a Dota 2 International or a CS:GO Major or whatever it might be, and all of a sudden you see these big big wigs saying, "Hey, Liquid, hey, Fnatic." Mm-hmm. Like, let me give you a couple million to throw or to maybe lose a lose a game, not even lose the entire thing. Right. It, it's definitely going to be it's this is all speculation, but I certainly think it's going to be ongoing. And certainly stories we cover more and more as esports do progress. And uh, I don't know. It's you know, be- thinking about it, actually, you all everything you said just brought this to mind. We're seeing such a rise in the growth of A.I. products being more implemented in like mid-tournament, right? Mm -hmm. For tracking how players operate, their behavior, and things like that. So, I mean, I would not be surprised if at some point someone just tweaks one of those coaching AI to determine like, hey, is this person actually trying to throw? Oh, Because I imagine people, if it's not something that they do often, nobody's going to be able to be like, oh, I'm just going to miss the sniper shot. It's going to be, you got to think about that. It's going to look off to a certain extent, right? Yeah. I I think you're right. Way in the future. Uh, Yeah. Something like that would certainly de-incentivize people trying to threaten people in the match fix. For sure. That would be a great idea because as of right now, a lot of the time it's just pure speculation. Someone sees, oh, they missed that shot. That's... Something they and then of course everyone goes ah they're throwing but uh-huh. a lot of the times it, it's not when they're at really throwing right right, um, right. so that'd be cool Great to have a, happens, yeah. a future program where all of a sudden it's like yeah the the odds of him missing that shot were particularly you know it was odd it was low well, and he still missed it yeah I don't who knows if it would work on a single player level but I imagine if it's a, if a whole team is throwing it would probably be yeah. kind of kind of clear. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see how it progresses. Hopefully, it's going to be weird as more and more money enters esports. That you know again it comes with a double edged sword. Mm-hmm. All right, I kind of want to give a very positive shout-out that I don't think the org will like once I'm done, once they see the conclusion I draw from it. What do you, what do you, <laughs> how do you start these things that uh-huh. you start? I'd like to give a positive shout-out to an org who's going to not like it by the time I'm done. Like, what do you... Yeah, see, and you'll, you'll understand why in a second, but I want to talk about NYXL, because I think they're doing amazing things in New York right now. Because, I would agree. Yeah, I think they are, uh, the Overwatch League kicks off, what, this weekend, I believe? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and I was just looking. Last weekend for anyone listening, sorry. Yeah, yeah, pre-recorded podcasts and all that. 
Um, they've been doing a lot of amazing things just to build their community in New York City. They have tons of events. They're doing tons of things to help not just introduce people to the players and the rest of the team, but to like to get fans in the community talking together and hanging out together and going to events together and stuff like that, right? I was just looking at the sheer volume of events they have planned for this weekend, and they have something like almost every single day from like today up until like next Monday. And I was looking at that and I was thinking like, wow, this is probably what org owners and financiers and investors wanted when they were talking about franchise leagues, Mm -hmm. right? To get a whole city behind an org like this, to get them all invested in their victory and their success and buying merch and everything like that. But then at the same time, I was thinking, well, yeah, but I mean, isn't the franchise league kind of pointless in all that? Because them being in a franchise league has nothing to do with them promoting all of this stuff or hosting these events. Like the franchise league isn't doing it. Otherwise, every org in the league would be to some extent. You know, this any org in any city could be doing this type of thing at any point in time. I'm really you know? confused at the point you're trying to make here. Are you blaming NYXL, partner with Ambox, by the way, for yeah. putting on more events? No, I think it's great. I think it's amazing. I think this is what every single esports org should be doing. Yeah. But, and I know, I know for a fact this is part of what people are looking to franchise leagues for, right? Yeah. But this has nothing to do with being in a franchise league in my mind. Like, being in a franchise league doesn't mean all of a sudden, oh, because we're in this city, we have to have stuff in this city. Like, say... FaZe Clan in LA, they don't have to be in a franchise league in LA to host tons of events for the LA esports community to get them all supporting FaZe Clan. Yeah, but with them obviously taking a couple franchise league spots in New York is now further mm-hmm. incentive for them to actually put on the events. Like, I, I'm confused. Would you rather them not do it at all? No, I think I'd rather them do it, of course, right? But I don't think... Are you confused why they weren't doing it before they had the franchise? Oh, no, no. I'm not not confused as to why that's not a thing. But I feel like there's no... The two don't don't necessarily line up because I don't think... I don't think they could not host these events if they weren't in the franchise league, right? They might be hosting them now because of the franchise league concept. Mm -hmm. But once again, not every team is doing it like this, right? So it's not because of the league, per se that these events are now possible. And my thought process is there's no reason that if you have an esports org in your city, that org can't still build that city-based community and still have that huge presence in the community and still give back and still get everybody involved just because they're not in a franchise league. You know, I don't see what the franchise league does for them in that sense, if that makes sense to you. I don't know if it's going to. Like, I... <laughs> <laughs> like, who are... I'm trying to draw the dots here. I feel like I'm, I don't know where I'm missing the connection. Are, because yeah. mm. you said you like what New York uh, Excel is doing. Yes, I love what they're doing, building But why their would community. they be pissed off at what you're trying to say? All I hear is that they're going above and beyond. And oh, they, don't yeah, need, yeah. they don't necessarily need the franchise league, but they do have it. So why would they not do what they're doing right now? Oh, of course, because I'm saying the, it's, it's, the franchise league is kind of pointless in that sense. Like there's no... I, I, I've been trying for a long time trying to figure out what does the franchise league actually do for anybody. It supplies right. a team for the, the events they're putting on for those people that actually attend to back the team as well. Yeah, like but without um, the franchise league, all there's no city matches. There's no homestand matches for these people to actually get behind the team. Well, yeah, but then there's matches that like you could just have, oh, we're NYXL and we are here. Yeah, but there's you no still going travel. Back. I, 
NYXL like, already has a franchise spot. You want them to just like neglect that and no, say, you no. know what, back us anyway? Absolutely not. I'm not saying they, they need to take anything back or that they need to, you know, or that them being in a franchise league is necessarily a bad thing, even though I may not agree with all of what franchise leagues do. But I'm, I'm trying to look at the pros and cons of a franchise league, right? We've got all this travel, all this money invested, all this, like, the viewership isn't necessarily going up because it's a league. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not seeing a lot of pros, and the cons are very low. And the one pro that I could, like, very much see was the fact that you got this city who's coming to support you, right? And I'm, the way I see it, like, that could very much be the same thing without the league. I don't know about that. Like, you yeah? look at a, a – because – Albeit, FaZe Clan's in L.A., they don't have a franchise spot, but mm -hmm. if there's any, I mean, if if there's an event for Call of Duty now in right. New York or Overwatch in New York, you're bound to have more New York fans show up to support you as compared to if there's a random CSGO event in L.A. where FaZe is at. I mean, yeah, there's going to be FaZe fans that show up. I, I just, I don't know, if, I don't know if you can actually judge that kind of thing. I've, well, in my, in my mind, I see no reason why an org couldn't just be like, I think in large part, it's because it's marketing, right? If FaZe Clan was like, hey, we are, we're a CSGO team, we're in town, we're building the community, we're supporting the community, we want to give back to the community, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the stuff that you would still okay. do in a franchise Now league. I think I'm catching on. You're yeah. surprised that more teams who don't have franchise spots in certain cities aren't still trying to build a city audience? Yeah, because I see like why not, right? And okay. I don't think, I don't, no, I, I, don't, I, don't I don't think it's the franchise league that gives them the ability to do that. You I think know? it's more of a common thing that we see now. That I think, once I think you get a franchise spot, with, you're like, oh, people are going to cheer for us if we're in the city. We Let's put on events. Yeah, I think that's the thought process, but I would see no reason. Like, personally, if we had, like, a franchise spot in Vegas, I would not care, like, one ounce. I would not be because, like, oh, we have orgs in town. Like, not, like, you know, huge not ones. Not big ones. Yeah, yeah, but I, I'm not going to go out anywhere and be like, oh, because you have Vegas in front of your name, now I'm supporting you guys. Like, what? Why would I care? If so I don't like just, the people. So what's your overall no. argument here? You're just saying that any esports organization, no matter what spots you hold in whatever city you reside in, mm -hmm. you should be trying to build your fan base? Yeah, why not? I don't think anyone here come is going to gonna deny you that yeah. argument. Yeah, and I'm saying that like the it's that's that's the one that's one of the very few benefits I saw to the franchise league for the community and for the viewers and everything out there. And I see like we we could just have that anytime without a franchise league. But it required franchise leagues for all of a sudden people to think, hmm, we can get a city behind us. Yeah, but I just think that's like a failure of creativity on their part, not the, well, it's not here the now, franchise Zan. league and doing so that. So let's, yeah. let's see if other teams can actually pick it up in other cities, whether they have franchise spots there or not. Yeah, true. I think 100 Thieves is already kind of doing that I would in certain ways. Actually, yeah, I'd completely agree with yeah. you. Not to, um, never mind, I don't want a fan. <laughs> Wait, quick, disagree real quick so you can like. No, 100 <laughs> Thieves sucks at that. What are you talking Wow, Jay, can you stop hating on 100 Thieves so much? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, yeah. I think I, mm. I know this argument's been back and forth a bit. Yeah. So, hopefully, hopefully, I made my stance clear on this I don't by know the if end you did, of it. Yeah, or I'm just dumb right now. Yeah, but I think it makes sense that esports organizations like Hunter Thieves, like Phase Clan, no matter where you are, you should not require a franchise spot to all of a sudden say, "Hey, this could be our city," mm. and we should have fans and we should try and drive audiences in the same city with events. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a pretty solid argument. <laughs>
All right, I'm going to try and keep this one short, Zant. I think Call of Duty League can survive. Uh, what do you mean by that? Because uh, I think we already determined that it's going to make it through the three years. Are you saying you, you see it becoming a mainstay in the esports industry? Yeah. Um, you know, I know we talked about probably, what was this, a two, two podcasts back? Yeah, something like that. We both agreed that, you know, three to five years, you know, given the fact that Overwatch is kind of in a weird state and potentially could fail in the future, uh, I've, I've changed my mind. Uh, ever since then, a lot of things have happened. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot, a lot of, uh, we've seen a couple of homestand events, especially this upcoming weekend as well. That I would say are going over decently well, given the, uh, given the the lack of, I would say, professionality leading up to the opening weekend. There was a lot of things that were kind of just eh, in the mm-hmm. air. One mm-hmm. of which was the streaming platform, which has now been selected as YouTube. On top of that, and so with the announcement, I'm going to base this off maybe a couple of small, small factors. With the announcement okay. of YouTube taking over Call of Duty League and its exclusive viewership or broadcast rights, I think that Call of Duty League will last. And I'll be willing to say over five years, if not maybe a mainstay like that of League of Legends. Now, mm. I'm, I'm going to leave myself some room to possibly go back on this, given that fact it's still so early on. Yeah, opinions will shift yeah, very drastically, early. but I have to be pretty confident in the fact that YouTube has now signed these guys, and alongside that, we have both agreed that for the future of streaming and YouTube gaming, they certainly have a chance to compete with Twitch, mm-hmm. and I think it would be dumb for me to say that if that's possible, then why couldn't a main league like Call of Duty League also survive along with it? Well, I can give you several reasons why it could immediately crash. Hope they're burn. valid. Yeah. So okay. I'm going to deny them all. All right, go for it. Deny this. The game itself. <laughs> The has game a constant player base every single year. Has this a constant game, player. This, yeah. this year's game was one of the best selling of all time. Thank you, Zan. Next yes, point. Yeah. Hey, I'm not finished with my point. Continue. Yeah. First of all, a game changes every year, and I like I like I said. I think when we talked about it last time, I think Call of Duty will always perform well, right? Like sales wise, right? But that doesn't mean it'll always be a good competitive game to watch. I don't think if you try to get people watching World at War like right now, that they would be down. <laughs> and we don't know what the devs are gonna do. I don't. I certainly don't think they've been doing enough in coordination with the esports side to properly get things ready for tournament play yeah. appropriately. And I think we saw probably like an okay showing, like it wasn't horrible from the game side, just purely talking about the game. Yeah, there's still things but, to fix, I'll give you that. Dom, yeah, Dom yeah. sucked, spawns still suck, but mm, I would say generally, pre- went pretty well. I, yeah, I'm just saying like, you know, this is this is like a this is an all right year. What happens when we get a bad year? Because we get a bad year for Call of Duty like every couple games. That's a valid argument. I think yeah. the the one main valid argument we have as of right now, this early on, would be a terrible game. Like if we have a terrible, mm. terrible game with terrible game modes, who, got, who God knows if we're gonna be dunking dunking balls again in Call of Duty. I don't like that competitive side of things. Yeah, I'll give you that. But you know, when it comes to the game changing, it's not necessarily gonna be a, a severe downside because the game could also get better. We see Overwatch change constantly we see league of legends change constantly it could be a fresh pace we see we see those well. games change constantly but not in the same not becoming an entirely different game i, w- I wouldn't call it an entirely different game yeah i'd say like usually it's like you're still shooting guns yeah well I mean, you could say you're still shooting guns in overwatch you're is that is that is that not a different game you're shooting yeah. an ar and, a, and an smg take off every single year Just so are call of duty different. and csgo the same thing uh, you, shoot, no. you see, shoot ARs and submachine guns. But, and, those, and, yeah. and to a certain extent, yeah, you have your primary. There are usually three weapons in an in FPS game that are used. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to be using pistols too often. You're not going to be using most of your SMGs or most of your ARs. There's usually going to be three weapons that take off and the pros stick to it no matter what the FPS. Mm-hmm. So in that same regard, yeah, sometimes Call of Duty is like CSGO in the, in the <laughs> weapons you fire. And CSGO is doing pretty well. 
Yeah, but I'm just trying to take a balance. I'm trying to take a different stance from you, and I think I'm doing an okay job at it. Okay, hey, I wouldn't say you're doing horribly, but once I, again, I, I don't, would say you got some I valid just, pushbacks. There's yeah. a lot of up in the air. Mm -hmm. The devs can frick some things up, and all it takes is one god awful year, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden sponsors back out, partners back out. I'll give you that. Um, my my of two points. One of which is YouTube. The second of which is possible viewership drops or rewards. Mm -hmm. When it comes time for viewership weekend one, 50 to 100K viewers, that's pretty goddamn good. If you also look at the VODs of mm -hmm. this, the viewership on the VODs is, is pretty dang good for these select matchups compared to even LCS and LEC. Overall viewership is not even close. But still. Right. And I will say these have been like marquee matches so far. So I think the real tell will be like a couple of weeks in when we see the more like low key <clears throat> events as opposed yeah. to the huge like drama. Like I think the Call of Duty League did something very smart in having a documentary series following the Huntsman leading up to that opening weekend. It's a great way to get people hype, even if it was a little bit basketball moms ish for me. But, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, it was it was still very is good. Right. I, I'd like to see how things go in the future, and I do I do agree with you in a sense with YouTube because I think it makes all all the sense in the world for the Call of Duty community to return to YouTube because in a lot of ways that's where the growth of Call of Duty orgs and clans came from in the first place. So it feels like it kind of feels like it's returning home. I do think in large part this deal was likely a huge boon for YouTube because they probably got it a lot cheaper than 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 that initial Twitch deal. Especially, I mean, I'm fairly confident that if it had been a great deal for Activision Blizzard or the people running the league, they'd be shouting about that number from the rooftops. And the fact that they've been silent speaks volumes. Don't know that for sure. Can't confirm that. Can't confirm, but Could've I will. Been a great deal. I will say, the instant they signed that Twitch deal, they were sending out tons of PR blasts like, hey guys, we just made this deal for 90 mil, guys. Yeah, it's great. It's amazing. You know, and they've been fairly silent so far. They've been like, yeah, we like YouTube. Yeah, and that's about it. That's all. That's all they said. They've like, yeah, you know, it's yeah. cool. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think. I think if they can figure out these YouTube drops for both Overwatch League, man, I I'm think, focusing mainly on Call of Duty. Yeah. You, you boost viewership. All of a sudden. I think that would definitely help a lot. If you're hitting 100k concurrence on these streams, I would say season one to a new platform. That's great. If YouTube mm. Gaming can figure out more recommended features and actually having this stream show up better, and again, mm. all of a sudden you appeal to the, the gigantic viewer base that is Call of Duty. Who knows what viewership numbers could do? There are certainly valid points on both sides. Yeah, I agree. I, I, have, I just want to conflict with you a little bit. I have the utmost faith in YouTube and Fwiz. I think they're going to grind to make this work on their end. Yeah. I have beyond the utmost faith in, faith in the orgs. They're going to grind to make this work on their end. The I players, just, the storylines, yeah, that's yeah, all there. Absolutely. They are the ones the game. really like it's the, it's the developers and the publishers and the people actually running the league that I think we see weaknesses in. And I think and we I'm can worried about that. totally agree on that. Yeah. Uh, maybe I baited a little bit. I, I think Call of Duty League can succeed. I don't know how long it's going to survive. No mm. one can answer that. But certainly, you got to admit, whether a fan or not, there are great sides and there are worrying sides about Call of Duty League. Yeah. And I guess we'll find out five years from now who's right, who's wrong. Okay, this one might actually be relatively short. We'll see. We'll find we'll out. We'll find out. We, we might be jinxing ourselves every single time we say that. But, um... Anyway, I felt it was a good time to look back at Apex Legends. Oh, uh, boy. Because it's been a year since it released. And a year? Yeah, actually, just this week. This uh, last week, if you're listening to the podcast right now, once Is again, right? it's pre-recorded. Yeah, it's been a year. Only a year? Only a year. You're actually, are you correct on that? 100%. Okay, I'll trust you. Yeah, they just released their uh, end of the year, end of year one, like, retrospective, officially. Huh. Like, Tuesday. 
Yeah. It could be over a year. I'm just I'm throwing it out no, there. No, hey, Apex is saying it's a year. So I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to the devs on this one. Okay, hit yeah. me with it. Yeah, and I just wanted to look back and say, like, wow, Apex has really come a long way. Mm-hmm. And I think we could very easily see them becoming a consistent mainstays in eSport once they start. Easily. Okay. Yeah, well, because uh, for, for a couple different reasons, right? First of all, I will have to say I might be a little biased here. I love Respawn as a developer. Like, I will hold to my, very potentially to my dying dying breath, that Titanfall 2 has one of the best first-person shooter missions, like, ever made. Like, absolutely. Respawn just knows what they're doing when it comes to creating good game mechanics that work consistently, right? I and, would say they've done things a bit poorly when it comes to Apex compared to Titanfall, but that's just me. Well, hey, yeah, Apex is their first foray into, like, a full, like, Battle Royale live service game. Yeah. I think they've done pretty decently for their first year at it. They're hitting last numbers that I saw. They're at uh, around 70 million average users, you know, which is pretty respectable. Not definitely not at like Fortnite heights of that 200 mil or PUBG heights of that 400 mil. But you know, they're getting there, especially for only a year. Um, they've had four seasons worth of content now. Uh, season four just kicking off right now. They've released a good amount of characters, I'd say. I think they have four now, four new ones: uh, Crypto, uh, Revenant, Watson, and Octane. Yeah. Sure. Yes. <laughs> Apex Legends Pro Jake over here. I stopped, I stopped here. playing after Octane, so I, yeah, yeah. I would not know. But I will. Yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty, They've done a great job announcing new characters. Pretty pretty consistent flow of updates. They seem very dedicated to making sure people are having fun with the game. They change the map up fairly consistently. Have like you know new events fairly consistently. They've kind of they dialed back the microtransaction stuff after people called them out for being real problematic about that. Good on y'all. You know, not trying to be too greedy. Um, and most importantly, and I think this is what's going to give Apex some real legs, is their active dedication to building an overarching arching plot and lore around the game. The storyline is amazing. Yeah. They've done a great job with the storyline. I think that's their huge this, – this is the huge thing that they have going for them over other games in the same space, right? Because like, Fortnite doesn't really have a story no. as far as I know, right? Um, League of Legends is a decent job too. Yeah, they're getting there, that's for sure. I think they're doing more and more of that. I wouldn't say it's dedicated yeah. storylines, but they do great, I would say, uh, Yeah, like they do like vignettes. Yeah. yeah, and I think we'll see more dedicated storylines as they roll out their other games that they're talked about. Um, what else is there? What is the other main competitor? PUBG doesn't really have a storyline as far as I know. Nope. Yeah, and I think, I think Apex is the only one truly dedicated to consistently being like, hey, this is what's going on with Octane. This is what's going on with Revenant. And here's why he's doing what he's doing, like very consistently, right? And I think one of their one of the huge things that I thought thought was really cool is their marketing over the past year. It's been very unique and interesting in that sense. Like, I, like I believe you saw how they introduced Revenant. Yeah. Yeah, with they they introduced Forge and then did a quick head fake. Had Revenant kill Forge. I mean, it was yeah. a sick announcement. I'm just saying, if you're yeah. going to go from the esports perspective, uh, just, the character storylines aren't going to carry an esport. Yeah, not necessarily. Well, I, I'd say they wouldn't carry an esport, obviously, like on their own, right? But I think something like this gives players more of a reason to, like the, like not not necessarily players, but viewers, more of a, more of a reason to be consistently interested. <laughs> Where people have been asking for an Overwatch story for a while, right? 
Yeah, yeah but and that's not, I don't given. know who, who knows about the carryover if that, if that's the actual competitive like Oh, oh man, not, yeah. I need an Overwatch storyline so I can go watch, you know, mm. San Francisco yeah, play this I, weekend. I, I wouldn't say it's like a one-to-one comparison where I think like, oh, little Timmy is going to be, because little Timmy loved what happened to Revenant, he's going to be like, oh, I want to watch NRG. Yeah, because like, yeah. they play yeah. Revenant or whatever. Yeah. But, but I do think that this will keep people more invested in the game overall. And if you're more invested in the game overall, I don't see why that wouldn't transition into being potentially more invested into the esports side. We haven't seen a lot from them in esports yet. Because, Until this year. Yeah, in March, they're launching the Global Series, finally. And I think it's good that they waited a little bit. I know a lot of people were asking for them to have tournaments like right away. But I don't know. I think tournaments, we see they're hard to run. You know, it's hard to run a good esports event consistently. So I kind of hope hopefully them taking their time means that they're actually taking the time to make sure the events are good and run well. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, like, like you were mentioning earlier with Fortnite pros not wanting to go to lands because the events suck. You know, maybe... I mean, but that's kind of a one-off. There were some terrible yeah. events. I mm-hmm. think a lot of Fortnite pros make that as an excuse. I guess yeah. some people do forget, though, how new Apex is. And, yeah. But, but even Fortnite was doing events very, very early on. Mm-hmm. And I think my big issue was it taking this long for EA, who has plenty of money to dump this much money or millions into the game, which has made them an awful lot more back, especially with the amount of times they've sold out. And mm-hmm. yes, they might be correcting those ways, but they certainly have sold out already with Apex Legends. Um, and they put that a lot of that... Um, you know, despite you know the, the lack of funding until now for prize pools, they did also put a lot of money into the marketing, like you said. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for me, when it comes time for doubting the game, I, I, I love, I actually really enjoy watching the gameplay, and I think it could be a successful, um, more of a, a BR type thing because PUBG is only falling off ever since mobile takes off. Mm-hmm. Fortnite's certainly in a dip. Apex has its time now with this gigantic millions of prize pools, the Apex Global uh, Championship Series. Um, It's great time to strike, but with that, we've seen consistently now after each and every season, EA pumps money into these streamers who don't typically pay, play Apex. Mm-hmm. The viewership soars. It's the highest played game on Twitch for a couple of days. And then, boom, Dr. Dis ain't playing it. Courage ain't playing it. Tim ain't playing it. Whoever mm-hmm. it is who they pay, which they pay hundreds of streamers to be an Quite Apex partner. They pay a lot, yeah. And it always falls off. So I'm waiting for it to maybe hopefully not fall off. I'm, I, there's only so many other shots I can give these guys. I, mm-hmm. I have my doubts. But again, if I'm going to support Call of Duty League, I guess I got to give Apex a chance too. Right? Yeah, I, th- I feel like that's fair. And Apex, like uh, like you said, mobile is rising. Their mobile version is theoretically coming this year, likely in partnership with Tencent. That's the word on the street. Of course. What yeah. else? Yeah, yeah, they have been in talks with them. And I don't know. I think that viewership question is definitely one to continually return to because I think it was interesting the first time EA paid a bunch of people to play Apex. You know, but at this point, I don't see why a streamer, if I was a streamer personally, and I was thinking about this cynically, I would stop paying as soon as the check stopped coming in. That way they send me another check to keep playing, because if I'm already playing, why would they pay me to play more? I mean, yeah, yeah it's yeah. kind of, it's it's actually induced this terrible cycle of these streamers mm. literally only play the day or two they're paid. Yeah. And they go back to their main game, mm. and EA comes crawling back and says, hey, new season, you want to return for a sec? Yeah. And yeah. all these streamers who typically say they hate the game, they come back and say, I'm back, and then they leave again. Uh-huh. It's kind of annoying. I don't blame the streamers, because obviously it's big money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm excited. To, I am. I am excited. I because we used to cover Apex, then we dropped off. Same thing with Rocket League. Now we're back. We're, we ourselves are also trying to find the best things to cover. So mm. if it does develop into a good esport, I'm going to be here to cover it. But we we have our doubts about everything. Yeah, of course. Everything's got holes. Nothing's perfect, and unfortunately, can EA 
Can EA make Apex Legends their top eSport? I, I, I don't think it'll be EA. I think it'll be Respawn. Because Respawn <laughs> seems to have way more leash from EA <laughs> than other EA's other developers. Because yeah. Re, Respawn does not play ball with a lot of EA's shenanigans. They're just like, and I think, I think it works out. I think Apex and Jedi Fallen Order and stuff like that being financial successes gives them the, le the leeway to do what they need to do. So I think, yeah, I'm hopeful. This will be the year. This will be the testing ground. We'll see if Apex yeah. Legends can actually, you know, garner that esports viewership, competitive viewership, and actually stick with it. Yeah, as per usual, we hope you guys all enjoy watching the Esports Rewind podcast. Big thing is coming, guys. Big thing is coming. I Absolutely. have to I have to use the restroom. So Zan, could you close us out here? Yeah, real quick, as always, if you'd like to listen to us on the go on your favorite mobile device of choice, or even on your computer if you want to, if you feel so inclined, you can always find us on the Prediction Esports Talk Show Network. That's P-R-E-E-D-I-C-T-I-O-N, right here on the desk, right there. It's a great podcast network. Tons of fun esports talk shows if you're ever interested. Thank you to all of our audio listeners. We love you. We appreciate you. If you want to check out some daily esports news and content, you know, check us out on YouTube at Esports Talk. Anybody wants to send us a story, just you know, say, say hey, even reach out on Twitter at talk underscore esports. We're on Instagram. We drop some of our biggest stories of each and every day. If you just want the highlights, you can check us out on Instagram on IGTV at esports underscore talk. You know, big things coming soon. Just like Jake said, some of this has been in the works for over six months now. And finally, finally coming to fruition. It's been a lot of hard work. But, hey, we have great things coming from you all and can't wait to share it. Okay, thank you all for watching Esports Rewind Podcast. Same time, same day, every single week. My name is Jake. This is my partner, Zan, breaking down esports and gaming news. Until next time, take care, guys. We'll see you back here sometime soon. Yeah.